So we're in a series called Pressure. Uh, it's a four-part series. Today's our third part. Uh, if you've been with us in the two weeks prior, our first week we started about talking about the pressures of life and, uh, and how destructive they are, the stress, the worry, and all these things that create all this pressure in us. And we started dealing with how to, the pressures at work and, and in our jobs and the things that we do, whether it be you know, we're in school or whether we're you know, stay-at-home moms and dads or whether we're, you know, we're working some type of field. And how to handle that and how God could give us strength in the midst of that. And then from there, last week, we talked about pressures at home. How do, how do, we, how do we stay married? How do we raise kids? How do, we, how do we be single and not be perverted? You know, all these, these stress points, all these pressurized points, and how to let God uh, uh, strengthen us. And, and, and our, our vision in the series was that each and every one of you would uh, move from a place of just surviving and start thriving in the pressures of life. And that, um, and that you would have an understanding that God's with you and that, um, and that you would be strengthened and that you would overcome. And then ultimately that you would understand that many of the things that are happening, God is going to use them to propel you in greatness. Well, today uh, we're going to deal with um, what I'm calling ducks. Everybody say ducks. That's right. The difficult unforeseen. The difficult, the difficult unforeseen circumstances. You didn't see them coming. You didn't know they were going to happen. You, you didn't plan for them. You, you didn't expect them. And they, they just kind of came upon your life. And I find many times that people, as they have the ducks of life happen, the DUCs, the difficult, unexpected circumstances happen in their life. This is many times when they quit on God, quit on marriages, quit on families. They walk away from them because they're so pressured out. They're so stressed out. They're so worried out. And so today we're going to actually look into those. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, 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 you never planned that, uh, that, that your company that you worked for was going to do a shutdown and that you were going to lose your job. That wasn't in your plan. That was a duck. You didn't see it coming. It, it wasn't something that you could plan for. It wasn't something that you did right or wrong. It just happened to you. And, and life is full of ducks. Life is full of these times where, where you know, you didn't know that your husband was going to walk out on you and say, you know what, I, I don't want to be married anymore and leave you with a couple of kids. You didn't plan on those things. Those, those circumstances, those difficult, unforeseen circumstances now have affected your life, have created a pressure that you didn't plan on, that you don't want, that you didn't expect to have happen in your life. Or some of the other pressures, you know, some of the things that have happened to us unexpectedly, you know, that, uh, that, that your identity gets stolen. I don't know if you've ever had your identity stolen. I have, we're at over 100 now, 100 different times um, that, that there's this, we, we don't know if they're Brazilian, we don't know if they're Colombian, but we have someone out there who is copying my profile on Facebook and creating another Adam McCain, they'll spell it just a little bit differently or something like that, tweak it a little bit, steal all of my pictures, steal all of my information that's online that they can find and put it into a fake Adam McCain Facebook uh, 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 place and then uh, invite all of my friends to come and be friends with Adam McCain and it's not me and then at some point they'll ask them for money and, uh, and start stealing money from people and we've had to shut it down a hundred times plus can you imagine that and the stress and the pressure that that's created for our lives and people are like hey why did you ask me for money it's like dude it wasn't me it's some other crook out there who's stealing my, my, identi- uh, my identity on Facebook uh, maybe you know you know what I'm talking about some of the unforeseen things the ducks of life like your air condition went out this summer like oh my god I finally got a savings account going, and now I've got to somehow go pay for this air conditioning unit. Some of you have had those experiences with the unforeseen, the ducks of life, where your iPhone got lost or stolen. Come on, somebody. Whoa, you felt that, didn't you? It's your whole world. It's like my phone. The other day uh, at my daughter's uh, softball game, I was helping stuff, and I looked up, and I didn't know where I put my, so- my cell phone. 
And I'm looking around like, all oh, you little thieves, one of you little suckers stole it. I know you did. You know how we do. We immediately start being critical of everybody else. And I start wigging out. My whole life is there. Everything is right there. It's, it's me in digital form. We're like, what am I going to do? And after about 30 minutes of running around asking people if they found it, I realized I had put it in my daughter's book bag and didn't realize that. And so, and so the, the ducks, the, 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 these pressures that come from these, you know, these things that you didn't plan on happening, these circumstances, these difficult, unforeseen circumstances. Like some of you, I mean, you've had a horrible week simply because you, know, you went to Starbucks and as you went through the line running late for work and got your favorite latte and as you drove off... It was the wrong flavor. And you're like, I can't go back now. Life is terrible. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to commit suicide. They messed up my latte. Yeah, some of you. Yeah, I know, right? And so with all the difficult things of life, we have a key scripture in today's, in today's teaching. And I want you to write this down or pull it up on your, Bible, on your Bible app. Or you can, if you read paper Bible, underline it. And Psalms 23, that famous passage, Psalms 23. And we're going to hone in on verse 4. And look what it says. It says, yay. I love it in King James. Yay. I don't use that word often, but I'm going to start using it. Yay. Come here. I'm going to start using it to my kids. Yay. I have something to say. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Isn't that good? Say yes. Yeah. Read it out loud with me one more time. It's on the screen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Isn't that powerful? Say yes. Yea, yeah. though I walk. Not if I walk, but when I walk through it. It's going to happen. I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I don't use that verbiage very often, the valley, valley of the shadow of death, but it sounds pretty bad. I don't know what David was referring, or the psalmist was referring to, but he's saying the valley of the shadow of death. I've been in some places in my life in a back alley that was the valley of the shadow of death. And I know that, come on, some of you have been there, you ex-crackheads. You know what I'm talking about. And it's a miracle that you survived, that you didn't get murdered, killed, or kidnapped, or whatever. I've been in some of those deep, dark places of our society, and doing, even doing ministry. And even in those moments as a Christian, I remember saying, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, fear, fear not, that dude right there. I'm I'm not going to fear that guy right there in Jesus' name because you are with me, right? You are with me, right? And that's what this scripture is testifying about. No matter what you're going through, he's with you. Say, yeah, it's good. Come on, somebody say, that's good. And so what happens in life is that we start going through these difficulties. And I want to kind of put it in perspective and kind of paint a picture how the majority of humanity go through life and kind of show you kind of what it looks like. And so let me, let me kind of set up for just a second. So the majority of us, what happens, or the majority of humanity, what they do, or especially those in the United States, we graduate high school, and because everyone's told us that the best way to get a good job so we can make that good money is that we got to go get an education. So some of us go, and we spend five years working our brains out to try to get that education. And that whole education and all that studying and all that, all that we're doing is so for one reason and one reason only so that we can get that J-O-B so that we can make that M-O-N-E-Y and we want to make lots of it. And those, some of you said, I don't want to waste my time doing that. I'm going straight into business. I'm going straight into this company. I'm going to work there. And the whole reason that you did all of that was so that you could get that big money. That's the whole reason. So you could get that money going up in your life. And the once you got that good job going and you got some money going, then you start looking around saying, you know what? If I'm going to have that good job, then I got to have, you know what I got to have? I got to have a nice car. So then you went and you bought you just a nice one. I mean, look, whoa, look at that. Uh, self-propelled. Anyway, and you went and got you that nice car. Boy, you was, you was riding big. You had, to, you had the rims on it. And then you weren't satisfied with that because you got extra money because you ain't got nothing else in life. You got your degree work going or you've been working this job. You got that paycheck coming in. Some of the scariest people in the world 
world is a 19-year-old making good money. That's scary as all get out. And you're making that big money, so you buy that, you buy that brand new vehicle, and you're not satisfied with just the normal radio. No, you had to go get the heightened radio. You got to have it going boom, and you did, and you had to put. You didn't like the rims that came with it. No, no, you had to pimp it out because you watched that pimp my ride thing too many times on MTV back when you were younger. And you got that, boy, you got your ride. And now that you got your job, you got that M O N E Y happening, and you got your wheels. Now you know what it's time for. That's right. you got to find the love of your wife. You need a hot-smoking mama in your life. And so you start looking around. You might even go to church because you you got to find one at church because the club, they all ugly. And so you start thinking... So you're thinking, Lord, send me a wife. And you got money now. You got a car now. You finally got an apartment. You finally got out of the spare bedroom in your parents' house at 47. And so now you go and you find that woman, boy. And boy, Jesus bless you, boy. What you say? And boy, he gives you a hot-smoking wife, boy. She's a little... She's a little authoritative, but that's okay, cause she got the blonde streaks going, boy. And she, man, she look and she's stout too, boy. She be telling you what to do, uh. And you like that? You like a woman who's in charge and got an opinion about herself? And she said, she said, you belong to me now. That's what she said right there. I heard. Her. And so you got, you know, you got this good hot smoking mama going now, boy. You got the house. You got the J-O-B. You got the education them in going. I mean, you just living the dream. And then mama says, uh-uh, I ain't living in no apartment no more. No, you're going to have to get me a house. And she don't want just a house. No, 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 no. No, no, what she wants is a castle. And so you got to get the castle life going. And so you go and get your castle on, boy. You got, look, you got all the little turrets going. And it's, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's so special, you know. And it's got all the extra stuff. You got a garage for your uh, VW. And you got all this space, you know, and all these extra rooms. And now that mama got her dream house going, y'all got, y'all got the nice car happening. You got the money coming in. But see, you got to keep getting promotions and keep changing jobs because mama's costing you a fortune with the whole mansion and the whole car thing. And, of course, you got to have her pedicures and manicures going all over the place and she got to have her little Starbucks run every three minutes and so it's costing you a fortune but that's okay because you got it organized you got it all under control you got your house where you need it to be that's good you got your car like you need it to be that's all working for you you got your job happening like it needs to be and then all of a sudden mama said uh oh and he said what uh oh she goes we pregnant and so all of a sudden, before you know it, you got a couple kids happening in this whole thing, and they start coming up in your life, and you got these kids going all of a sudden. You know you have big old heady kids. Go ahead and just own it. You got big old heady kids. All of you do. And then, uh, and, then, and then, you know, mama gives you them kids, boy. And you got the kids going. You got the little boy with his big old head. And you got the little girl. And now y'all perfect, man. You got the, you got the perfect little family. Sit yourself down. <laughs> And you got the car, boy. You got the house. Woo, man, you are living the dream. You got the money. You got the education. You got the nice car. You got the house. Life is going good. And then you realize, I can't, I can't do all this. 
I'm going to kill somebody. I mean, y'all crazy. And so then you realize we got to go back to church because we need some Jesus up in our life. And so then you come up to church on the hill and you'd be like, oh, that pastor's so funny. He's so awesome. And we're going to get some Jesus up in our life. So then y'all get you some Jesus all up in your life. Boy, you got your Jesus going. You got your money going. You got your house and your car all going, boy. And life is good, man. You got it all controlling. You're working the house, making the payments. Ooh, you got the car. It's all nice and shiny on Saturday. The paycheck's coming in like it's supposed to. Woo! And then every now and then, you go up to church when the Cowboys aren't playing, and you get your little worship on, and Jesus is there in your life, so you got a backup plan in case anything goes wrong. Got Jesus in your back corner. Woo! And then Mama, she's starting to, she's not as pretty as you started at, but anyway, and you got, and you got that big old headed kid, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the DUCs of life hit. The difficult, unexpected circumstances. And that car of yours gets hit and smashed. And it rolls down the mountain. All of a sudden, somebody hits your car, and, and you, know, you don't have the money for it. And, and there's this argument back and forth with the insurance company. And, it, and, and, and you're trying to make that all work, and you can't control it. You're like, I didn't see that coming. I didn't plan for this. And you, that's why you're getting out cussing people when they bump into your car. You're like, you effing blank and praise the Lord. I want you to know effing blank. I paid for this car. I had to work. You know how long I went to college and how much I have to work to get the money to pay for this car. And here you are acting a fool running in the back of my car. And you all mad and lost control. And you're like, I don't understand. And then you're like, oh, I can't handle this. The pressure is too much. I didn't see it coming. And all of a sudden your toilets start overflowing. And you got to call the plumber. And that money's more than you expected. And then all of a sudden you find out your wife's been hooking up with somebody that you saw on Facebook back from high school days. Unexpected. And then what happens to most people that I know, this is what they do. They say, Jesus, you said you would take care of me. You said I could live my blessed life right now. And I'm not living a blessed life. This is all messed up. I, I didn't see this coming. I didn't plan for this. I, I, why is this? Why are you? Why are you not taking care of all my problems? How can you let this happen? I let you into my circle, and you're not fixing stuff. Jesus, fix it, fix it, fix it. And I don't understand why it doesn't work. Why don't you work? And here's the problem, friend. It's because you're still the center of your world, and you want Jesus. All you did was adding to your circle, and you want Him to fix all the stuff in your circle, friend. He doesn't fix what's not His. This is the breakdown. See, you're not, when you're the center of your world and you are God of your own life and you're controlling everything, that's why you control freaks lose your mind when some DUC happens in your life because you like to control it. You fix it in your own strength. And then you want Jesus to step in and fix the problem that you created, the thing that you're in charge of. But friend, when you and I come to the place we say, wait a minute, I get an understanding now. Wait a minute, I'm not the center of my world. Jesus, you are the center of this world right here. Jesus, this is your world. That's your house. That's your car. That's your money. That, whoa, 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 Jesus, this is your wife right here. And all I'm doing is my best to steward. And Jesus, I'm not the center of my world. I am the part of your world. And whatever you want, I'll do. I'm in, that's your house. That's your house. That's your car. That's your money. That, you want me to tithe it? I'll give it. It's yours. I don't care. You know, that's your car. You need me to loan it to somebody? Jesus, I'll do it. Doesn't bother me one bit because it's your no problem and it's your goodness and it's all yours because you are the center of my world and what happens is we take Jesus and we put him in our friend list and in our in circle and then we want him to fix all the stuff that we're trying to control and he's saying I will not I will not 
It's not mine. I can't take over what you have control over. And until you let me be the Lord of all of it, and you just get in line, and when you get in line and say, Jesus, how do you want to handle this thing with my wife? Because she's your daughter. What do you want to do with your kids, Jesus? I'm just a steward of these kids. Lord, I, I don't know. This is your money. How can I steward what you want? And friend, this is the problem that many people call themselves Christians, but all they've simply done is add Jesus to their life, like adding a, a, a health drink once a week that's somehow going to make them better. And they've added a little medication to all the things while they're still trying to control it and say, why don't you help here? I don't understand why you're not fixing it. What's wrong with you? Golly, I thought you loved me. God, I don't want to ever serve you. Get out of my circle. I don't even want you in my life anymore. And this is why we see people, the moment they go through tragedy, the moment a duck of life hits them, they quit on God. Why? Because he was never the center of their world. He was just someone that was in their circle with everything else they were trying to balance and keep going. But when you and I say, Jesus, you are the center of my world. I live and exist to serve you. I am in your circle. You are in charge of that circle. You're in charge of this life. And we just stand behind you. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Where, where are we going now? I can't really see past you too good. You, you, got, you all right with this, right? You, don't forget about my wife because she's messed up. Don't forget. She, she's tough, Jesus. You're going to have to help her. And guess what Jesus does? He does what he wants to, when he wants to, in the timing in which he wants to. And the reason that is, is because like the coach of the softball team, he knows the best plan to win the game. Like the master that he is, he sees what you and I can't see. He knows what you and I don't know. And so instead of trying to get him to do what we want him to do and be a part of our circle, what we need to do is say, you're the center of my world. You are the center, and wherever you go, I go. Where you look, I look. Where you sit, I sit. Where you speak, I speak. When you don't speak, I don't speak. I am just a part of your circle. Use me how you want to use me. Do what you need to do with me. And my life is not my own, but it's yours. And this is why the ducks of life destroy people. It's why the ducks of life destroy people. Because they're, because they're the center of their world. One of the couples that were up here today with their children, Dustin and Dorothy, on June 25th, 2015, I think it was June 25th, they gave birth to their little girl, Gracie. Backing up months earlier, they went for their first sonogram and testing and all that. And the doctors called them after that meeting and said, hey, there's some problems. Um, uh, we, need to, we need to test. We, see some, we need to retest blood and do some work like that. And by the time they'd gone through all these doctors and all these scenarios, their baby in the womb was diagnosed with um, trisomy 13, um, which is that they have the 13th chromosome, an extra set of them, which is the death sentence. And so Dustin and Dorothy allowed Jamie and I to pastor them through it, and we met, we prayed, we talked through. And it, they blew my mind. Um, someone else would have terminated that life with inside of them knowing that it wasn't going to live anyway, that it was already having problems. But they were determined to let God be God. And so Dorothy carried that child the full nine months, gave birth to it there at her home, and Gracie lived 56 minutes. They waited a couple hours, and they called me, and I went over there with them, and I held their dead baby in my hand over that child 
Straight over there. We started a website for Grace. And a couple weeks later was our baby dedication. We do it multiple times a year. And Dustin and Dorothy were, you know, still grieving the loss of Gracie. And Dustin writes what that experience looked like for him. And I just thought it'd be neat to read it. He says, we sat in the back during the baby dedication. Dorothy Ann put her head on my shoulders with tears coming down her cheek. I remember her holding her, looking at the large crowd of families dedicating their children. And with tears running down my cheek, I said to myself, God, one day I'm going to get to stand up there on that stage with my family and have another child dedicated to you. I remember praying from my seat, my hand stretched out over the families that day, telling the Lord, I know we have lost Gracie, and what the devil meant for evil, God, you're going to turn around for good. And so, Lord, I pray that these children will be raised up, that you'll raise up this generation of children to declare the works of the Lord. Months later, she got pregnant again, and today was the fulfillment of that prayer as they stood here and dedicated a child. See, see the difference in the Dallenhowers and many people that I interact with is that they had already put Jesus as the center of their life. He already was the center of their world. He already was in charge of children and houses and homes and cars and money and all that kind of stuff. It was all his to begin with. And so because it was already his, they could say to him, Lord, into your hands. Into your hands, Lord. Out of my hands, into your hands, God. I'm nothing more than a steward of what you've given me. Lord, it's all yours. And as, because it's all yours, it's your problem as well as it's your glory. Yeah. The difficulty that I'm experiencing in my heart, Lord God, it's all your problem to fix. It's all yours to deal with because it's yours. It's not mine. And God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, however you want me to do it. Because if it's yours, then the moment it starts happening, you can't fix. You get so angry. You get so frustrated. And it's got to be God. Why did God do this to me? I've heard it a billion times. Why did God do this to me? Why did he cause this to happen? I served him. No, actually what you did is you brought him into your life, but you didn't serve him. There's a difference. You brought him into your circle, and you wanted him to fix the problems that you were trying to control. And you wanted him to be kind of your, uh, you know, your salt on the food to make it taste better. And you wanted him to kind of be your, you know, your, your emergency line for when things that you can't control. And you want him to come running in and be the shining light and fix it. Friend, he doesn't operate that. Either he's Lord or he's not. Either he's the center of the circle or he's just there standing beside waiting for you to make a decision. And friend, can I tell you something? This is where the breakdown happens in the DUCs of life. This is why people get under so much pressure because they're trying to fix it all. They're trying to keep that money coming in. They're trying to get that thing. They're trying to keep that house all together, trying to keep their kids. And you know, you know, they're looking at their kids and you know they got that one teenage kid. He's just an idiot. And it's like, I, I can't believe he, I mean, his head is so crazy. I wish he'd just fall apart in my life. And, I t- and you get all these things happening and the pressure. Now that kid is doing stupid stuff. He's affecting his sister and his mom and all this kind of stuff. And they can't keep it together. And they're like, why did you do this to me? And she's saying, listen, buddy, that's your stuff. It's not mine. You've never given it all to me. You've never surrendered yourself and let me be the Lord of your life. And that's why the DUCs destroy people. And that's why the pressures things that you didn't plan on drive you insane. My grandmother, my grandfather abandoned my grandmother with three kids for another woman. My grandmother lost her, she had been a Sunday school teacher at the Baptist church. Sweetest lady ever, they told me. Abandoned her with three kids. She took those three kids 
She moved them into the hood, the only place she could find a place to live for cheap. She worked two jobs. By the time my mama was 16, she was pregnant out of wedlock with me. By the time that I was born, we didn't talk about my grandfather and we didn't talk about my natural father. And I know my grandmother to have been the most bitter person I'd ever interacted with. And the reason that is, is Frank, can I, can I just tell you this? You don't get to choose whether or not difficult situations happen to you, but you do get to choose how you're going to respond to them. You can't help that he walked out on you. I'm sorry, sweetheart, he's an idiot. You can't help that. But you do get to choose whether or not you become a bitter old hag or whether you become a person that's so full of life and Jesus becomes the center of it all and it doesn't matter. God will take care of him. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of your kids. When my grandmother died, there were 100 people at her funeral and 90 of them were my friends. She had no friends. She lived a bitter little life. You could hardly get her to smile. And you know what she lived in? The regret that God abandoned her because she was a good Sunday school teacher. She was being good. She was being good but he was never Lord. He was in her circle, but he was never the center of her world. And when Jesus is at the center of your world, then you can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they guide me. You are the center of my world. I want to give you a couple positions that you and I need to take as we go through the ducks of life, the DUCs, the, the, the things that you didn't plan on, the difficult, you know, unplanned circumstances that happen. Give you a couple positions that you and I need to take. These are biblical positions. You can see them on the, on the screen. Number one, I am prepared that they are inevitable. This is a position you need to take. I am prepared that the difficult things of life are inevitable. Would you say that with me? I am prepared that they are inevitable. Would you say it again? I am prepared that they are inevitable. They are inevitable. I love, I love what Ephesians 6 says. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. Not if, when. Friend, you're living in a fantasy world that you think that something difficult is not going to happen in your life. And then you're getting mad at God because it happened. Friend, if, if, if difficulty didn't happen in your life, God would have to repent to every character in the Bible. Because I can't find one that didn't have different, difficult circumstances. I don't know, maybe like the cross. I don't know, maybe like Paul being stoned to death and the church raising him back from the dead. Difficulty is a part of life. It's just life. It's just what happens because you're alive. Because sin has entered the world and because people are bad people and people are good people and just life happens and difficulty happens. It's just life. And you need to here and now embrace that I embrace that difficult things are going to happen, but I'm prepared for them. I'm prepared for them because I know that my God will never leave me or forsake me. That he's with me even to the very end. Friend, you got to understand, if you're prepared for what you know is coming, then it doesn't catch you by surprise. It doesn't matter. I've already settled it in my heart. Jesus, you are the center of my world. You are the center of my life. And no matter what happens, if my wife dies of cancer, you're still God. If my children get kidnapped, raped, and murdered, and they end up, you know, never being seen again, you're still the Lord, Jesus Christ. You're still the center of my... In fact, just the opposite. Now even more, I'm going to hold to your feet. Even more, I'm going to cry out for your mercy in my life. Even more, I'm going to ask you for strength because I'm going through hell on earth. This is the missing link teachings that I'm hearing today he does want you blessed but it doesn't mean that you keep anything difficult from ever happening to you here's the second position that I find in scripture that you and I need to take and that is saying it like this I know he's always with me would you say that with me I know he's always with me say it one more time I know he's always with me yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me you're with me 
Listen, he never promised you wouldn't go through something. He just promised he'd be there. He's, he's just there. Remember being a little kid and having a big brother that you loved? Or a big sister? And if they went with you to school for the first time, or they went over and talked to the neighbor's kid for the first time, because you're with your big brother. I'm not talking about your big brother. I'm talking about the king of glory. I'm talking about the creator of humanity. I'm talking about the one who threw the stars out into the sky and picked the galaxies and where they would be positioned. I'm talking about that individual being with you and me. I love the little story about the little girl and the little dad excuse me, a little girl with her dad, as they were having to cross this bridge, this rickety old bridge with the raging water, and they'd accidentally gotten on the wrong side, and they needed to get to the other side of the other embankment. And the dad, very nervous that the bridge could fall apart or that she could slip in as the water's splashing over the old wooden, half-rotted wooden slats and, and kind of slippery, and he says, sweetheart, hold on to my hand and don't let go. She goes, no, 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 to daddy. You hold on to my hand. He goes... What's the difference? She goes, Daddy, I know that if you hold on to my hand, you'll never let go. But I'm scared that if I hold on to your hand, then in a moment of panic, I might let go of you. But I know you'll never let go of me. Friend, that's the difference. I'm not, listen, I'm not asking God to let me hold his hand. I'm asking him never let go of who I am. Because I know there are moments that I doubt, that I'm scared that he's not there. I know that in my own humanity, I have doubts and unbelief and, and I lack faith and, and I lack courage at times when I'm crying out, oh God, don't let go of me. Because I know I'm about to let go of you. Oh God, hold me tight into the bosom of your heart. And don't ever let go of my hand, oh God, because I don't know that I've got the strength to hold on to you. Have you ever been there? I'm not sure that if you, if you're not there holding on to me that I might not turn my back on you and run away because I'm scared of where I'm at listen to me he will never leave you or forsake you he's with you even to the very end say it with me one more time I know he's always with me one more time I know he's always with me here's the third position I want you to take and that is I will rely on him I will rely on on him, not on me, not my ability to make the money, not my ability to keep it all organized and keep it all sit, sane and keep everybody happy. I, I, I'm not. I, I'm going to rely on him. Look what Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter one, verse eight through eleven. You'll see it on the screens. And he says, "And we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships that we suffered in the providence of Asia." He said, "We were under great pressure." Everybody say, "Great pressure." Say it again, great pressure. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. This is the Apostle Paul saying, I, we were under such great pressure, I couldn't even endure. It was so far outside of my ability to endure. Let me tell you something. When they lost that baby and that baby was there in their arms, dead, in their bedroom, waiting for the coroner to come get that body, that's great pressure beyond what they could endure. But look what Paul says. He says, and so that desperate, uh, uh, even to life, indeed in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us even more. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Listen, friend, let me tell you something. You've got to put your hope and who you rely in into Jesus. Jesus, I can't fix all this. I can't keep my wife happy. I can't keep my kids right. I can't keep all of them, but I'm relying on you, Jesus. I'm putting my trust in you. I can't make it happen, but you can make it happen. I can't walk through. This is beyond my ability, and the Bible says he'll not allow us to be tempted that which beyond what we can bear and let me tell you something friend he's with you he's with you if you'll just simply rely on him and the position that you need to find yourself is back here Jesus I'm with you wherever you go I go wherever you go I go 
Because you know what? I'm following you. I'm relying on you. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how to get there. Friend, can I tell you something? Most of you, when you were 16 to 18 to 22 years old, you had these perfect plans of what life was going to look like. And what's happened to that plan? The DUCs of life have thrown them off. You didn't know that you were going to have to take your brother's kids because he died and his wife died in a car accident. Now you added three extra kids to your family. You didn't have any thought process that the company that you gave 25 years to were going to shut down. You could, how are you going to stop that? How are you going to fix that? Friend, if you're leading your own life, it will drive you insane. But if he's the center of your world and you're relying on him, then he, he, you know what he does? He causes flowers to bloom in the desert. He causes miracles to happen when no one else can even find out how in the world you're going to get through. And they're looking at you like, how does that happen to you? How does it always happen to you? Why do you always get through? Because I'm following him. I'm relying on him. Isn't that good? Say yes. Let me give you the final little piece that I would teach, and that is this. I will use my God-given authority to move the DUCs on down the road. I'm about to teach you something. I'm going to use my God-given authority to move the DUCs on down the road. DUCs are inevitable, but you don't have to live with them forever. And like, I love what Paul is teaching us in Ephesians 6 and verse 16. It's on the screen. He says, in addition to all of this, he starts out in this passage talking about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, demonic forces. He says, and he says, and so if we're going to come against all those things that are causing all this mess in our life, then what we need to do is, what we need to do is put on the full armor of God. And he starts going down through the list of full armor of God. And he says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with, with, uh, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation of the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer what he's saying is listen all these demonic forces that are being used to initiate all this mess in your life and you're trying to walk and rely on the Lord he says not only that but you need to understand that you can tell those things to go in Jesus name that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you just go ahead and put on the whole armor of God go ahead and get that sword out and you say to them devils in the name of Jesus get off of us and then you will cancer go in Jesus name I didn't see you coming but all that rebellion young man come out of him in Jesus name I rebuke every plan of the enemy and get you on down the road get on down the road because I have an authority in my Christ I'm standing in his shadow but I'm walking in his authority and what he says I can do I can do and what he says I can have I can have and one of the things that he says is that no weapon formed against me can prosper all those that rise up against me shall fall and if you're not careful you'll confuse that scripture to say well nothing bad should happen to me just the opposite when bad things happen to me, bam, get on down the road in Jesus' name. I like what the one preacher said, when you're going through hell, don't stop. It's in hell. I'm living in hell. I'm just going to sit right here. Just be mad about it. That's dumb, man. You're going through hell. Just keep on getting through that. Get on past it. Get out of it. But you got to know who you are in Christ. you got to know the authority that you have. And you got to stand in that authority and say, no, I'm not losing my marriage over this in Jesus' name. Lord, I'll humble myself. Jesus, you tell me what to do because this is your marriage. You tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I need to do. This is where the breakdown's at. I'll have two people sitting in our office, Jamie and I, and they'll start telling us all the problems. And none of them want to eat. And none of them want to submit to Jesus. They want Jesus to fix that one. Fix her. Fix her. What's wrong with you? See, she got demons, don't you? I mean, I brought you into this thing so you can help me. You're not helping me. I brought you into this thing so you can help me. Instead of, hey, you're Lord. What do, you, what do I need to do? I'll quit that job. 
I'll cut off those dudes that I'll go drinking with. You can see every one of my Facebook posts. The private accounts that I've not let anybody see. Baby, you can have it all. I, I, I just want to follow Jesus and I want to save our marriage. And I'll do whatever he tells me to do. And that good stand with me all across the room. You guys have been awesome today. Thank you for listening to the word of God and receiving. I want you to close your eyes across this room. And just let the Lord minister to you today. The DUCs of life, the difficult, unexpected circumstances. I've watched it destroy so many, quote, Christians. And then at the same time, I've watched it deepen those who Jesus was the center of their world. I watched them rise out of the ashes. Become some of the greatest men and women of God ever known. With your head bowed and your eye closed. I want you to ask yourself, Jesus, are you the center of my, of my world? The DUCs are inevitable. It's going to happen. Something that you don't like, something you didn't plan, is going to mess up your little world. If Jesus is the Lord of your world, in fact, it's his world that you're in and not your world that he's in, then, friend, you'll survive just fine. In fact, you'll thrive through it. But I want you to know something. You get to make the choice how you're going to respond. On May 3rd, 1980, Carrie Leitner of Fair Oaks, California, keep your head bowed and your eye closed, was walking along a quiet road on her way to church, the little carnival they were having at the church. When a man who had been drinking swerved and hit her and killed her. Drunk driver killed her. In the 80s, there were very weak laws against drunk driving. Her mother, Candy, had an opportunity to be bitter, hate God, and go kill herself, or to respond in a different capacity. Well, Candy responded. She started this little organization, you may have heard of it, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. And since its inception, just a couple years after her daughter's death, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers have caused there to be a 50% decrease in alcoholic deaths in the United drunk driving deaths in the United States because of strong legislation because of awareness she turned what was horrific and tragic and she saved lives listen whatever you're going through I'm sure it's difficult for you but how you respond to it is the critical Stop trying to be the Lord of your life and let Jesus be Lord. Stop, stop being the center of your world and say, Lord, how may I serve you? Lord, what do you want to do in this? As you got your head bowed and your eye closed, some of you, you own your car and you, Jesus needs to own it. You own your children and Jesus needs to own them. That's your house and nobody comes to your house without your permission. Jesus needs to be the Lord of your home and the Lord of your life. Friend, if not, I'm telling you, those DUCs are going to destroy you. The pressure of it all, trying to keep it all together and let nothing bad happen and trying to be the perfect family and the perfect job and the perfect home and the perfect financial plan and all these pieces are going to drive you insane because all these DUCs are going to keep coming at you. Most of my friends lost everything in Louisiana in the last flood. Everything. Those who Jesus is the center of their world, you ought to see their post. Oh man, they're so full of life. 
They're relying on Jesus. Others, their whole world is destroyed. They don't know what to do. Because they're not following Jesus. They're trying to get Jesus to follow them. As you stand here with your head bowed and your eye closed, I want you to do some business with the Lord. Is he the center of your world? I'm not asking if you're a Christian. I'm asking, is he the center of your world? Is, is he empowered to rule your life? Because he won't take that away from you. He won't force himself on you. That's the crazy thing about God. He gave us all free will. To choose him or deny him. To serve him or not to serve him. To box him in or turn him loose. He gave us that free. It's crazy that he would do that. Put your head bowed and your eye closed. If God's dealing with you about the pieces of this message. If you struggle to rely on him, I want you right now to say, Lord, I repent. I want to rely on you. Repent's not bad. If you're visiting with us, we don't think repentance is bad. We think it's magnificent. That we get to control all, delete, and start again. That's what repentance is. If, 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 if you struggle to realize that he's with you, I want you to just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I was so busy running out in front of you that I couldn't see you anymore. And I didn't think you were with me. If you've not understood the authority that you have in Christ, and you've just mully-grubbed and let that thing just just push on you and push on you and didn't move it on down the road. Have that interaction right now with the Lord. Father, I pray for every man and woman in this church right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that you would begin to take root in this message of every part of their life. Lord, right now, we surrender. Come on, would you just start praying like that? Lord, we surrender. Our children, our spouses, oh God, we surrender our life. Lord, you lead it. You're in charge of it. We're not going to try to drag you along through life and then be mad at you when you don't fix fix our problems. Jesus, we want to get in your world. And Lord, we want you to be the leader. And Lord God, we want you to have everything that you'd want to have. Every part of us, every every ounce of us, every, every piece of our world, God, is yours. We put it in your hands. And we say, Lord, we can't take it. We can't take the pressure to be good enough dads to keep our kids from going crazy. We can't, we can't keep a marriage together. Jesus, you can. And so, Lord, we just get into your world and we just follow you. And whatever you say do, we'll do it. And whatever you teach us to do, we'll do. And whatever you say don't do, we won't do it Lord we just obey you knowing that you you will sustain us because you are good you are good you are good as you're just talking to the Lord I want to speak to others in the room if you're in this place today and you're away from God you're not a Christian you know that if you died today you wouldn't go to heaven friend why leave this place like that I've got what you need I met him years ago, and he transformed my life. He's become my Lord and Savior, and he wants to be yours as well. Today, if you're away from Jesus, you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, I want to introduce you to him. If you're scared that if you died today, you would go to hell instead of to heaven, friend, why? Don't live like that. i got good news. He's paid for it all. All you have to do is respond. So what do I have to do? The Bible says confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll make you his. You'll become his son. You'll become his daughter. You'll become his best friend. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but life happened. Pastor, I did what you just explained. That was my life. I love God. I brought him into my life, but I didn't let him lead it. And so when difficulty happened, I walked away from him. I kicked him out of my circle. I didn't realize I was doing it. I was mad at him. I thought he was being faithful to me, but really it wasn't. It was me not being faithful to him and letting him lead. 
So today, if you find yourself either away from the Lord or you've never been a Christian, I'd like to introduce you back together with the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, you say, Pastor, that's me. No one's looking, just me and you and Jesus. You say, Pastor, pray for me. If that's you, lift your hand quickly and I'll pray for you. Okay, God bless you, sister. God bless, oh, thank you. God bless you, sweet. Hey, God bless you, sweet love. Thank you. Thank you, guys. God bless you, guys, as well. Anybody else? I see your hands. You can put them back down. Anybody else? Say, pray for me, Pastor. I'm away from the Lord. I see it. You can put them down. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Pastor, I, I want to make Jesus my Lord today. I'm tired of living like this. I don't want to leave here scared that I might die and go to hell. Friend, that, that day's coming to an end right now. Is there anyone else? Two more seconds. Pray for me, Pastor. Make sure I see your hand. If I can't see it, wave it at me real good. Amen. There's been many of you. You can put your hands down. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. There's nothing magical about the prayer. What's supernatural is God messed with your heart, and you said, yes, I want him, and you respond. That's what's supernatural. Only God could. I, I'm not that good of a preacher to get you to do that. That's God. And today, I'm going to introduce you to him in a prayer. He's going to become the Lord of your life. In fact, I'm going to get everyone in the audience to pray this out loud with you so you're not alone. And I want you to mean it with all of your heart. Say it like this. Jesus, today, I surrender. My life, my desires, my wants. And here and now, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my rebellion. Forgive me of my disobedience. I declare, Jesus is my Lord. I put you on the throne of my heart. I, I come to you and I bow my heart and I say, be my Lord. Be the center of my world. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand right now. I pray right now, in Jesus' name, they would feel the grace and the forgiveness and the tenderness of their God. They would feel the embracing and the welcoming and the acceptance. They don't have to perform. They don't have to give money to the church. They don't have to not be bad, but be good. But you love them right where they are, and they are yours. Now, Lord, help them understand that the days ahead, you're going to change them a little bit at a time. They're going to grow. They're going to mature. They're not going to care about smoking dope anymore. That old, that old gossip and slander. So they, they're not even going to want it. It's, it's not, they're not even going to enjoy it anymore. That old pornography and all those clubs and all the way they lived before. They're not even going to like it. Because you're going to change their heart as they're falling deeper in love with you every day, Lord. And today, Lord, seal their commitment with you. And may they never turn away. I want you to join hands with the person next to you real quick. And I want to say one closing prayer. Because I want this church to be a church that no matter what the devil throws at you, you're still walking behind Jesus. I want you to be a church. I want you to be an individual. I want you to be a family. I want your family to be able to look at the difficulties of life and say, oh, my God's greater. And no matter how heartbroken you become, no matter how many difficult things happen, that you can keep relying on Jesus all the way through it to the day that you stand there and say, Lord, here I am. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. As you join hands with that person next to you, I want you to pray over them. Pray that they would make Jesus not just their God, but the Lord of their life, the center of their world. Would you just take about 60 seconds, pray for the person on either side of you. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that the men and women in this room, Lord God, they're not going to try to lead you, but they're going to follow you. Lord God, each and every one of us, we submit ourselves to your Lordship. 
And we declare that you are good. And we declare that we're going to rely on you. And Lord, we say here now, Lord God, that you, you are the center of our world. And Lord, we repent for any times that we have tried to control our world, gotten mad at you because you didn't fix the things that we created, the problems we created. We got mad at you because you wouldn't intervene in the thing that we were in control of. Lord, today, right now, as one family, one unit, we surrender everything that we've had our hands in, everything we've tried to control, we surrender to you and say, Lord, it's in your hands. We commit ourselves, we commit our life, commit our families, houses, jobs, and money. It's all in your hands, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen.